Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today uh, by someone I've actually known uh, and known of for more than 30 years now. His name is Steve Ross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're you're not that old, Steve, right? <laughs> I'm not either. Um, when I was in school at Texas, Steve uh, was producing the Coaches Show uh, for David McWilliams. Uh, before that, he actually hosted the Coaches Show and produced it with uh, Fred Akers. Continued on uh, producing it under John Makovic as well. He's now been in. Uh, I think he's been in public, the public. Uh, 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 venue now for uh, a number of years uh, and actually working at a foundation uh, trying to raise money uh, for a, a good cause uh, there in Austin. But uh, Steve also posts on the Inside Texas Message Board. I don't want to give away his handle unless he wants to say it, but uh, he is a long-term friend and a guy that uh, has followed Texas football for a long, long time and someone that I like to, to think knows a little bit about this rivalry that we call the Red River uh what is it? Red River Showdown now instead of shootout showdown or now, what? What is it, Steve? I mean, we, we Red River rivalry. Is that what it is now? Yeah. It's uh, a long war. story it's short, a uh, Steve's a great guy and someone that uh, folks at Inside Texas, as well as myself, uh, really trust and, and think the world of. And I'm happy that he's able to join us here today because I talked to him about doing some stuff with us. And he said, why don't we do it on OU week? Because that's my favorite week of the year. And so, uh, Steve, welcome to the show, and, and thanks for coming in. Thank you. It's sweet misery, Bobby. That's what it is. And I want to say before I forget, I love uh, Inside Texas on three. You guys do a great job. All of you, Justin, Eric, you, even Joe Cook, even though he went to my high school rival, you know. But he's he's young. I'll, I'll forgive him. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, I really enjoy it. It's, it's, you guys do a great job of reporting and not getting too sensationalistic and, and letting and but letting the, the, the opinions flow when they can but reporting and that's I love that no, I appreciate that Steve that means a lot you started at Texas in 1969 uh, not to date you but that's a pretty good year to start if you're a Texas Longhorn fan right yeah well actually I really started earlier than that I grew up in Austin and uh, my first uh, real remembrance was when I was a little kid in 1962, um, uh, believe it or not, Daryl, because he wanted everything first class, they would fly to Dallas. Okay. They'd get on TTA and fly and then fly back. And uh, I remember in 1962, uh, there were a bunch of us kids who were uh, staying together and playing on a Saturday. And then the team flew back and our parents took us all to meet the plane. And they all came, we got, I got, I got Ray Pogue's autograph, Johnny Nunn's autograph, and I, you know that. So I'm a lifelong, lifelong Longhorn. So, gotcha. Well, it's it, back. Safe to say you've seen a few Red River uh, show yeah. showdowns, shootouts, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Texas OU is what I always called it. I didn't. There was no name other than Texas OU for me when I was growing up. You've seen a number of them. Uh, what makes this rivalry different or unique? Where do you start? Uh, obviously, the the neutral site, literally almost to the mile equidistant, splitting the stadium and splitting it not one side, but 50 north, 50 south. So think about that. That means Texas every year has to come down that tunnel on the OU side. And so you can imagine what that's like. Uh, 
recruiting, um, friend against friend. Um, I think, but it's also the history of the animosity even makes it more important, I think. Because, um, you know, I used to say, um, you know, back in when I was growing up, the three rivals were, you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and A&M. And A&M was your cousin that always ruined the uh, family photo, but you kind of had to go by him because he was family. Um, Arkansas was the hillbillies, you know, that you just knew it ruined. But uh, my dad was general manager of the Driscoll Hotel, and, and he hated the no matter what, when they came in, because if they won, they'd wreck their rooms. And if they lost, they'd wreck their rooms. So, you know, <laughs> there wasn't any difference. And then Oklahoma was Darth Vader, you know? <laughs> so, so uh, that's, that's kind of where it falls. They, they're the evil empire, basically. They're the evil empire. <laughs> uh, but tell us, tell me, uh, you know, you, you've been around a while. Tell me what your favorite uh, Texas OU or most memorable Texas OU game of all time for you has been. I'm going to be the old man uh, yelling at the clouds. Uh, I'm going to go back to 1976, Daryl Royals last year. Um, I know a lot of everybody knows that was the spy gate and uh, um, Barry Switzer and Royal trading uh, all sorts of uh, you know, shots at each other. But you have to understand at that point, Daryl had won 12 of the first 14 games in the OU series and gotten two or three OU coaches fired. From 1971 to up to 75, those five years, Texas was 45 and 14, won four conference championships, finished in the top 20 every year, finished in the top 10 twice, and was 0-5 against Oklahoma. And natives were restless. And Daryl felt it was because they were cheating, both in recruiting and that, and that he also felt like they'd been spied on back in 1972. The 1972 game was three to nothing in the fourth quarter, and Daryl had put in a uh, fake punt, uh, a quick kick, excuse me, quick kick um, for that game. It's three nothing early in the fourth quarter. The only substitute is a lineman. And when he comes in, the OU a uh, line starts yelling fake, quick kick, quick kick, quick kick. And they rush the qu quarterback, Alan Lowry, who was the punter, and they block it, score a touchdown. They win 27 nothing. And so uh, Daryl had done a lot of research and was convinced they had cheated. Uh, and I'll tell you right now up front they had. And not only that, they had cheated and spied on the University of California, who had who on a quarter system was in Dallas before their game with Oklahoma and uh, practiced at uh, the Cowboy Stadium, and they ch they got in there and, and and spied on them. So, so before Bill Belichick, there was Barry Switzer. Is that what you're telling there me? Was, that's right. Before 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 <laughs> Deflate Gate, there was yes. Uh, Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The tensions that week were beyond what anything I'd ever seen. Uh, Coach Royal was uh, adamant. And, uh, and Barry Switzer, that's when he made his famous, well, some people don't want to work hard, they'd rather listen to country singers. Uh, and uh, after the Monday press conference, Coach would always have a, a morning press conference in his office, then he'd go upstairs to the newspapers who had a, a longer time. And so I always go to both because he might say something in the second one. And we're traveling up uh, the elevator, and he says, uh, would you come by my office tomorrow? And gave it time, and I said, well, yeah, sure. Now, the story had been brewing forever. And Kirk Bowles, who I'd gone to school with and knew, known forever, um, he uh, he was the beat writer back then. So he was covering the story. And he'd been on it for a while. Daryl had had a working and social relationship with my dad at the Driscoll. And so he was hopeful that if the man who spied, Lonnie Williams, had been dumb enough to use his own uh, name to get into a hotel room that we might be able to find out. Well, you know, we didn't. And, uh, but, uh, but I mean, he was leaving no stone unturned about how to find out what happened. Got it. The day arrives, and you, you remember, he had the quote, the sorry bastards that got into uh, the, uh, got into the uh, press. Well, think about this. This is a man who was an All-American for the University of Oklahoma, and I think still holds the Oklahoma school record for interceptions in a career. And when they come out to warm up and you have to come out through the Oklahoma side of the stadium, um, the fans start yelling, sorry, bastards, sorry, bastards at Royal. Okay. He, Gerald Ford, the president is there to do the coin toss. Okay. Well, they bring him through the through the South Tunnel because they don't want to go through the stands. And so Barry and Daryl are there waiting for him, and they won't even look at each other, much less say anything. Okay. President of the United States comes down, surrounded by all this media. They walk to the middle of the field to do the coin toss, and they don't say a word. Or I mean, Gerald must have thought, like, you know, this is some kind of big. So Texas was down to a walk-on quarterback that had so many injuries. But Oklahoma's starting quarterback, Dean Blevins, was also injured. So they were starting sophomore Thomas Lott. And Daryl and Mike Campbell had that defense at an absolute razor's edge. The University of Oklahoma made 133 yards total offense that day out of that wishbone. They had, they had two running backs that were going to be in the NFL eventually. Russell Irk Slaven averaged 49 yards a punt, kicked two field goals, and they absolutely shut them down. Now, when I say it was brutal and there was no smack talk, everybody was too busy lining up to find somebody to deplete. It was what David McWilliams called a swivel game. You always kept your head on a swivel, even after the play might be over, because somebody might be looking for you. And they took it to each other all game long. The noise, the hits, the not much smack talk because they, as I said, they were too busy. Well, Texas leads six to nothing late in the game. And uh, they have a third and three 
on their own 37. And Mike Campbell says, I wish we had the quick kick now. And Daryl said, yeah, but they didn't. So they, they had a, a straight pitch to a halfback who saw he could make the three and went to protect the ball and it was stripped. And Oklahoma recovers on the 37-yard line. Bobby, it took them 11 plays to go 37 yards. <laughs> it was like having a front seat at the Alamo. You knew how it was going to end, but you couldn't turn your eyes away. They score. It's 6-6, extra point. They have Uwe Von Schaumann, who's an All-American place kicker. Okay. But Texas also knew they had a walk-on snapper who had had a couple of pretty bad snaps on punts. And Lionel Johnson, bless his heart, a linebacker for Texas, lines up over this kid and right before the snap says, you're going to snap it over that guy's head. And he snapped it almost all the way to Waxahachie. <laughs> I mean, Uwe Vachama never even saw the ball as it went over his head. A 6-6 tie, everybody is pissed. The game is over, and there is nobody happy. Uh, we're walking back up the ramp, and Coach stops inside the ramp to retch. That's how, I mean, that's how important this was to him. And you looked at him, and it was uh, he aged 10 years in three hours. And, and there were a bunch of reporters that we all we all drove up together and drove back together, and the whole conversation was, I don't think he's going to want to coach much longer. Yeah. So, and of course, that was his last year too, right? Steve? That was his last year. And now, you know, when you have a game that intense between two teams who really, you know, weren't that good at that year, uh, and it's still talked about 46 years later, that's, you know, that's that's how important it is. Yeah. That, no, and, and I think that, you know, I always like to say this, and I think you're the same opinion. We've talked about it a little bit before. There's like generations of Longhorn fans, right? There's the the most recent young guys. It's all about Sam Ellinger, right? And Sam's ability and that tenure of, of Texas football. They will remember him. That's that's them. There's the the Vince Young group, the the Colt McCoy, the Major Applewhite, and Chris Sims. And before that, there's James Brown and Shea Marins. And you just Peter Gardere before that. You just go through this and you. Those guys, as fans, we all have that generation that we identify with, right? And what first imprinted us as Texas football fans, maybe. Uh, and it sounds like that era, that, 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 not that you weren't first imprinted early in your life, but, right. but that is one that has stuck with you as just indicative of how, how strong this rivalry is and what it means in its very gut, you know? That's what it sounds like. You, I'll give you another example of this, too, real quick. Um, John Makovic was the first coach in 60 years who had never been involved in that game as a player or a coach, okay? And when you look back, think about it. Um, coach Royal, uh, his mentor, his mentor was Bud Wilkinson, right, who totally – dominated that series until 1958 when Daryl started a run. Okay. And I might also add, I, I talked about him stopping on the ramp uh, on the last game, 
when he defeated Bud Wilkinson for the first time in 58, he did the same thing going back because he knew what he was doing to his men. I mean, so, so that's, I mean, anyway, Daryl runs and wins 12 of the first 14 plays and then goes 05 and one. And so now he's out and Fred, who I really think doesn't get enough credit for the kind of uh, job he did, especially for seven years, goes five, two to start and then hits the skids. What I'm trying to say though, is David, like David McWilliams, David goes three, two against them. Those three, I was able to really see up close and they all had been a part of a part of the action before they were head coach. And they all had the same attitude they brought as a coach, which was for this week, it was always bring it on bring it on, and, and their players played that way. Win, lose, or draw, that's what impressed me was they always came ready to play and bring it on. Um, and uh, so when you're around that for 20, 25 years, you know, you understand how important it is to them. Yep. Um, John Makovic, you mentioned him. Uh, what was his take on it as an outsider his first time? Do you remember any anything he oh, said? Yeah. I'm going to give you two real quick, both about Makovic and Bo Schembechler. Uh Makovic, uh, you know, was, as I mean, you know, this was very kind of cool and outstanding. You know, and, and, uh, and so everybody kept saying, you know, you, you haven't seen anything like this, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, players always try to get next to the young kids their first time down the ramp because when they hit the ramp, you, you, you come out of darkness into this, cornucopia of chaos you know and, and they love to watch the young players eyes and that well i made sure i was standing next to mackovic when he goes down because you know yeah yeah and he hit it and i will give him credit it was just the slightest little look of whoa <laughs> you know oh okay but then it would you know then he, he went on. uh my family has strong michigan ties uh uh family wise and um Bo Schembechler when he retired uh and ABC used him for a couple of years he didn't really like he didn't do it long um he said yes and he specifically asked to the Texas OU game because he had never even seen it on TV because Michigan Michigan State were always playing the same week okay so Bo comes down on Tuesday to do his homework and I'm assigned to make sure he gets to where he, who he sees what he wants to see. And he was a great guy, very cordial. Again, everybody telling him, you don't know what this, you know, this is going to be amazing. And he had that smile that said, yeah, I said, you know, I've, I've been involved in a game up between Columbus and Ann Arbor. I kind of know what you know this is like. So we go to the game and it's the Stony Clark game where Stony makes the great play at the end. Okay. And I'm supposed to escort Bo down to the locker room after the game. We get in the down, we get in the Cotton Bowl elevator with some other reporters. And he he just laughs and says, "That's the most amazing game setting I've ever seen," you know. And and, and somebody said, "Well, we can, what about Ohio State?" And, and, and Bo said, "Oh no no no!" Said, Trust me, Michigan Ohio State is just as intense, just as brutal as this game. Uh, and there's something great about walking into an opposing team and shutting up their fans, you know. But this, he said, 
split down the middle and screaming at each other and screaming on every play. And he said, and there are thousands of people outside who don't even know what's going on. So even he, you know, he got it. He he understood. Yeah, no, that's that's a great story because, I, you know, my my first time actually going to the uh, to that game was I think 1989. Me and my roommate made the drive up from Austin, uh, and I, I just I I just remember being there and thinking, my God, this is it, it's chaos, and it was sheer pandemonium um, up and down, up and down. Uh, Johnny Walker, uh, you'll, you'll be happy to know he does a radio show in uh, San Antonio every Wednesday night. Cool. Uh, called I think it's called Longhorns Unplugged. I was on his show last night talking about this with him. <laughs> I'd say last night, uh, Wednesday night. And uh, he he and I, I was like, Johnny, you don't understand. When In 1989, when you caught that pass, I was like, I think I did a flip over into the student section uh, of, of the of the uh, aluminum stairs, and I didn't do it on purpose, and I, I was still cheering right right as I got up. I mean, it's just one of those things uh, that it's sheer pandemonium, and people don't realize it. And then you go um, later in life, you, you go and you're working for the team or, or going as a uh, uh, a uh, professional, uh, and it's part of your job, right? And even then, you you witness you know fans yelling at each other pregame. You, you witness the taunts. Uh, you see and feel. It's like I, I told our producer, Matt Hutchison, a three-yard run, both sides. One side is up and up, and the other side's down. It it doesn't matter. Every single play, one side's cheering, the other side's, you know, de- dejected. And it is uh, 60 minutes, or really three hours, yes. of just full-on, you know, nervousness, uh not just nervousness, but uh, guts on the field, just everything about it. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why it's it's such a special game uh, as it relates to uh, University of Texas and, and Oklahoma. You know, Bobby, I, pregame even. Uh, I mean, uh, I've been on I don't know how many team buses, and the coaches always made sure they went through the crowd because they always made sure they wanted the player to see the little old ladies and the kids from Oklahoma shooting in the finger. You know, and uh, uh, an understanding, you know, this is different. This isn't like playing somewhere else. And, and uh, uh, again, and the, and the first time I ever saw a player do the horn stand was Billy Sims the year after he won the Heisman. They come back and uh, uh, it's 79, I guess, because he won in 78. And uh, the two teams are on their field, they're on their benches, and the Texas band starts up Texas fight, and that's when Billy Sims does the horns down and gets a couple of players. I thought Johnny Johnson was going to go over and clean his clock right there. I mean, he was just livid. And they held Billy Sims to 75 yards on 20 carries, and he had a key fumble at the end of the game to seal the win. And uh, so well, – Look, here, here's the reality of it. That game, uh, it means so much to both sides. It, it's it's fun because here we are. I mean, you you, you and I have been doing this. Uh, most of our adult lives are spent a great deal of our time of our adult lives doing it. And we still, uh, I think when we talk about it, we almost feel like we're 18 again or, or 17. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're still, you still have that verve and, and that, uh, that uh, emphasis that makes you feel young again, which is what, you know, that's part of what we, 
we all like about football and about sport in general. It takes us back to a time when we all remember it. Um, give me a, a couple of thoughts here, Steve, on what you've seen uh, in the Steve Sarkeesian era and how you see this game going this weekend and wh- where you uh, where you see things from a, a, a broad perspective, given your, your, your unique viewpoint. I really like him, and I really want him to succeed. Uh, for a lot of things, for his backstory, for uh, what he's already done in terms of helping to get this around. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that he's an offensive genius, and I don't think there's any doubt that he can recruit. I think, obviously, we need to see more improvement with the defense and and where that goes. Um, I think this is the most important game Texas has played since the 2000. 9 10 championship game against Alabama. I really do. Because, you know, we've gone through this 12, 13 year period of mediocrity. And is are they back? No. Are they going to be back? Yes. Are they back? No. This is a statement game. And frankly, I think it's a statement game for both teams. Because obviously, as you all have noted, uh, the first year of the Bobby Venables, uh, the Venables era is not going very well. And so Texas comes into this game, I think, with an advantage, especially a quarterback, and they need to take advantage of that. They need to make it pay because I think it can be a springboard to so many other things. And I also think that they'll be ready tomorrow. Not tomorrow. What is today? But anyway, they'll be ready tomorrow for – what I think is going to be an offensive showdown, and I think Texas wins. And yeah. I, you know, it's this whole week is sweet misery every year. You know, you try to go on. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm confident, but I'm terrified. <laughs> you know, think about it because I'm thinking about you know uh, Charlie Strong being a top ten Oklahoma team with a five seventeen. So don't go in there thinking, oh, this is this is not an ordinary game, period. Yeah, anybody thinks it is, they'll find out real quick it's not. Um, mm-hmm. it, I like Coach McWilliams' uh, term, head on a swivel game, or swivel game. That, that makes a total sense because I think we've, we've both seen it. Uh, I was just thinking when you said that, I immediately thought of Quan Cosby's hit. On Lindy on that block. Yes. I mean, that's a, that's yes. a perfect example. Those things wouldn't be allowed anymore, but right. it's it's that kind of intensity over that period of time, and and it can come from, you know, it could come from a wide receiver just as well as a down yeah. lineman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Steve, before we get going here, anything you want to want to add to to your storyline behind Texas OU and uh, your personal thoughts? I'll give you one story on me. I was back then. I was a behind, wet behind the ears reporter, just getting started in 1977. Uh, under Fred's first year, uh, the game uh, was an, what they called back then an exceptional uh, TV. Um, you were only on three times, but if you but the NCAA had a rule that if you play if you were playing in a neutral site and it was sold out before the game, the two home markets could show the game. Well, that meant Tulsa and uh, Austin and two ABC stations. I was working at the ABC station. The Tulsa station had its own truck. So uh, 
we do the game. And uh, they have two Tulsa announcers, and I'm the one Texas announcer, so you know how that went. But, um, I mean, I knew our two deep backwards and forwards and up and down. I could tell you their mom's name, their dog's name, everything. So we go in and, uh, you know, uh, Mark McBath goes down and John Lonnie comes in and John goes down and in comes Randy McKeatron, the third string quarterback. And the play-by-play guy turns to me and says, so Steve, who's going to play quarterback? I got no clue. I got (laughs) no clue. (laughs) And I'll end with, and I'll do a slightly, I'll do a cleaned up version of this. Um, Years later, we were doing a, a video with Earl. And we got talking about the game and, and talking about Randy and what a great job he did. And, and he said, well, I got a story about when he came in, but you can't use it. And I said, really? He said, yeah. So I'll tell you. And then you can, you, you, okay. Well, he said, when, when Randy gets to the huddle, they didn't know who was coming in. You know, they'd never worked the 13 guy. And he said, Randy hits the, the huddle in his eyes about the size of silver dollars. And Rick Ingram from Austin Westlake is the, is the leader of the offensive line. And before Randy can say a word, (laughs) Rick reaches out, grabs him by the jersey, pulls him up and says, you give the freaking ball to Earl and you get the hell out of the way. Do you understand? (laughs) And Rick goes, you know, Randy goes, yeah. And then, and and then becomes a legend because he obviously he did more than that. But, but you know, that just shows you the kind of intensity that is in that game, you know, and, uh, (laughs) I love it. Speaking with Steve Ross, uh, former uh, producer and host of the University of Texas Football Coaches Show for Fred Akers, then produced the ones for uh, David McWilliams, uh, as well as John Makovic. Uh, He's a longtime friend of ours at Inside Texas. He actually, we, we, uh, every so often we pin a post of his up on the message boards uh, because it's so good. Uh, But uh, Steve, uh, always Thank appreciate you. your insight uh, and uh, your long-term service to the university as well through the years uh, and et cetera. So I appreciate you, bud. I appreciate you and I, and tell everybody else. I appreciate them. It's more fun than girl monkeys. <laughs> Hook them, Steve. Hook em. <laughs> Take care, man.